It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today. With J.P. McNamara on C103. And a very good morning to you. It's JP until one with Cork today. Patricia unwell, unfortunately, this morning. That chest infection she had has returned. So uh, hopefully she'll improve across the week. But for today, anyhow, I'm with you until one. And Bernie is standing by taking your comments. If there's something you want to raise on the programme, you can call us 1850-333-103. Or you can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Ahead on the programme, something we've been hearing about for the past two years or more at this stage uh, those who were on medical cards, uh, again, and this is something that's happening across Ireland, not just here in Cork, uh, but we do seem to have more calls from certain areas of Cork than other areas. And this is where people continue to find it difficult to obtain a dentist in their area. We'll be discussing the developments of what's happening with this. Uh, this is more or less a dispute between the Irish Dentist Association and the state on the issue of medical card patients who go along to their dentists. Uh, it hasn't been resolved. It's ongoing. We've heard from dentists over the last number of years on this and the association. But what is happening? What are the latest developments and uh, what are the government going to do? We'll be speaking and joined very shortly by Cork Northwest Deputy Michael Moynihan on this. Also, as people are now required to take an antigen test every day for five days when they return from the UK, some when they're in the UK are finding it difficult to actually access antigen testing uh, when they're in UK airports. We're going to hear from one Cork man this morning who found himself in that situation and journalist and broadcaster Fleur McCarthy joins us this morning on her book The President's Letters. Uh, these are letters received and sent to various presidents over the years. It's a really interesting book and the letters themselves are reprinted in the book so it is something of interest and it is something that you could flick through at various stages over the Christmas period as well but Fleur will join us later in the programme on that. Also we're going to check in with Joseph Byrne of Joseph's Hair Saloon on the Glashing Road. Another fantastic Christmas day he had yesterday. This is where people who uh, maybe just finding it tough at the moment and also the homeless community across Cork, uh, the 
the bar nearby, Flannery's, they provide meals and then uh, Joe will bring them across to his hair salon and they'll be uh, pampered and he'll do haircuts and he'll really look after them. Uh, that was held yesterday. He is doing items like this right up until Christmas. We'll check in on how yesterday went and his plans for Christmas as we do every year. And then if you were watching the RTE show Last Singer Standing, uh, that was on Saturday night. Well, the winner was from Cork, from Bannonlock and Patrick O'Sullivan, the winner, will join us. A fantastic voice he has. He can hit those high notes and hold his uh, tune, can't he? If you were watching that show and well able to hold the note. Anyhow, Patrick will join us later in the programme on his win. And Annalisa is not with us today, uh, but we'll be finding out about yoga. And what do people make of yoga? Have you tried yoga? We'll be discussing all about yoga and the breathing and different exercises that you can do to relieve stress and anxiety. Uh, That and much more between 10 and 1 on the show this morning. Also, all this week, we're giving you the chance to win tickets to Riverdance with thanks to Aiken Aiken Promotions even. Uh, Riverdance will be live at the Marquee next June and we have tickets to get you there. So stay tuned to us right across the show. Uh, Your chance to, to go along and see Riverlands at live at the Marquee. But this morning, as you would have heard on news, uh, petrol and diesel prices still causing issue for many in the transport sector. Uh, over the weekend, and I don't know if it's just me, uh, are they, had they decreased a small bit? It was 172 for petrol, 162, 163 for diesel. Uh, have they decreased by maybe three or four cents? Your views are welcome on that if they have. Uh, just something I noticed over the weekend. But Dublin motorists are bracing themselves this morning because trucks from right across the country are again highlighting the high cost of diesel and petrol prices and the knock-on effect that it's having not only for them but for all of us because you know if they're transporting goods from one area of the country to the other and if prices are high we're going to end up paying more by the way of groceries and the knock-on effect on different areas of the country so with that in mind, the Irish Truckers and Haulage Association, there uh, a new group that was set up, and this was set up at the same time the farmers uh, went along on a day-long protest, and they called themselves uh, they're against fuel prices and part of the Irish Truckers and Haulage Association. But they're back again on the roads. They've been up early morning, heading to Dublin, and they're blocking Dublin city centre to highlight the situation. And of course, you might say, well, what can the government do uh, with regards to oil prices, which is an outside influence for us here in Ireland? Well, the taxes. Every time we speak with the AA on this, uh, they'll say the taxes that the government have on our fuel prices, if they reduce those, that would reduce the cost to fuel in this country. They have not done that, of course. And that's why, uh, even though the, the oil prices are high, we could lower uh, the offset if the government decided to reduce taxes. That's one of the reasons uh, that those truckers are up there in Dublin. But your, your views are welcome. And have you noticed a change? Uh, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the prices aren't decreasing. But I thought they were by three or four cents. But your look has they go down they go up as fast don't they and a lot of polls out over the weekend about re-election of a government if there ever was to be an election quite soon well, the Finance Minister, Pascal Dunahu, is feeling confident because he's insisted that the country's first grand coalition that we have at the moment, that they will go into the next election seeking a second term in office. I think a lot of people uh, may not agree with him on that. And we heard from the former minister and TD for Cork East last week, uh, Fianna Fáil TD, who was for Cork East, uh, Ned O'Keefe. And he feels that there's no leadership in this current government. And he told us also uh, that Fianna Fáil maybe should have gone in with Sinn Féin 
last time around and could that happen again this time around uh, would that be a better option having Sinn Féin with Fianna Fáil if the figures weigh up uh, that way we'll, we'll have to wait and see but it seems for the moment Pascal Dunahu he's more or less saying that they'll go again with the Grand Coalition of the Fianna Gael Fianna Fáil and the Greens uh, if that would happen anyhow that's what he was saying to the Irish Indo over the weekend and you would have heard there Barry on news as the uh, rollout continues for the booster jab and this is before the Omicron wave takes control experts are predicting that we will uh, here in Ireland that, that that will become the dominant strain as it has in other European countries I mean the UK are watching this very closely and they seem to be very worried over there in the UK about this at the moment and, and how this is happening but here in Ireland the Department of Health and the HSC they are going to this week accelerate the roadmap for the booster campaign and they will see more than 1.5 million people get the third dose before Christmas and the first doses are beginning to be administered also to children. Now there was some queues and chaos at vaccination centres again across the country at the weekend. There was some queues as well here in Cork outside City Hall in Dublin. They more or less ran out of the jab in certain locations but the Department of Health is insisting that they will be upping this because they want to get as many people they said boosters uh, before Omicron takes uh, control here and becomes the dominant variant which they said it will do a bit like Delta and in the UK uh, the British Prime Minister Boris Johnson has warned that the UK faces a tidal wave of infections and the same more or less uh, situation there they're going to increase booster vaccinations in the UK he delivered a television statement over the weekend and it was because of that a lot of people would say he's a lot more worries Uh, than the latest variant considering what is happening there on the Christmas party that was held in Downing Street and a lot of uh, TV shows and reality TV shows are kind of swaying to that at the moment so he is under pressure from all angles anyhow he back here to Ireland and it seems now over 40s could get the boosters next week that they'll be offered anyhow to the over 40s and again you know it depends when you got the actual jab you must be 5 months plus before you you know before you can get a booster so it might not apply to all over 40 but that seemingly is the plan that they will offer over 40s the booster jab from next week and are you a fan I mentioned reality TV shows there are you a fan of I'm a Celebrity and were you happy of who won it last night Danny Miller was last night crowned King of the Castle of course the show usually in Australia was filmed in Wales over the last few weeks uh, the Immerdale star uh, best known I suppose for his role of Aaron in Immerdale he was followed closely second by Simon Gregson who you'll all know as Steve from Coronation Street very funny guy and then the singer Frankie Bridge into third uh, if you were a fan of that show I'm sure you'll be delighted for all those three and it was a good one this year uh, and just shows the different way people react when they're in a situation like that uh, but Certainly, Danny Miller, if you were a fan crowned king of the castle of I'm a Celebrity. Your views are welcome. 1850-333-103 by phone to Bernie, taking your comments across the show. Or indeed, you can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. You can tweet us as well this morning at C103 Cork. Cork today until one. Our lines are open and on the way we are going to be discussing the medical card situation and medical card patients regarding trying to obtain a dentist and trying to go in and see a dentist. Not possible at the moment. A lot of dentists not accepting those on the medical card. We'll discuss that next. According to the Irish Dental Association, patients are travelling unprecedented distances just to access dental treatments under the scheme for medical card holders. To chat about what many dentists are describing to us as a scheme not fit for purpose is Cork North West of Fianna Fáil Deputy Michael Moynihan. Good morning to you, Michael. 
Good morning, John Paul. I suppose too many dentists at this stage have opted out of the medical card scheme. I mean, would you agree with them in saying the current scheme just simply is not working? Well, it is. The system is not working. Uh, we have had many, many patients on the medical cards who have been looking for dental treatment, you know, acute or emergency dental treatment or routine dental treatment. And of course, everybody knows that if you uh, do the routine dental treatment, it may le- it may spare you uh, further um, pain and anxiety down the line. And an awful lot of people are ringing saying that they can't get a dentist, that the dentists are not taking medical cards at the moment. And I suppose from a patient point of view, I find that totally unacceptable. Uh, I have been following this for the last couple of months and I brought it to head at a topical issue in the doll uh, a week or so ago to try and find out now what are the department, because I understood that the Department of Health and HSC were in negotiations with the, with the Dental Association uh, back in the middle of the summer in June or July. But those talks have not been finalised and uh, in the response that I got from the department they were saying that they were going to initiate talks again early in the new year but my point was that that should those talks should take place now that they should be taking place last week and the week before that this is an urgent issue within the community a hugely urgent issue and as you uh, would understand you know the acute uh, dental treatment uh, needs to be dealt with immediately but routine treatment as well and a lot of people, you know, for a whole variety of different reasons, uh, you know, have issues in relation to dental treatment, getting dental treatment. I'm talking about people that have sensory issues, people that would have um, a, a disability of one type or another. And, you know, the fundamental of not being able to assess medical treatment, which dental treatment is uh, under the medical care system, is simply not acceptable to me anyway. Yeah, and we are hearing from people, and I'm sure you are too, as you mentioned there, from those who, for example, are in the new market area and then they are unable to access a dentist in North Cork. You know, they're ringing us. Then you'll have listeners in other parts of the county who are saying, yes, I know a dentist, for example, maybe in Middleton or in the city, uh, that will have access to the medical card agreements. And then you have people travelling from New Market to the city or to Middleton and to other areas. And this is just simply because they're ringing us and, and we're putting them in touch. But that can't continue. I mean, there was cuts made in 2010 uh, to the scheme without consulting the dentist at the time. And as you mentioned there about, you know, acute services and longer term services. I mean, at that time, it was decided that only two fillings per year uh, was was what was going to happen there. There was going to be a limited to just two fillings per year. I mean, nothing really has changed in the last 10 to 11 years on that scheme. So, I mean, when we say it should be looked at, where do we go at this stage? Well, no, uh, yes, like, what needs to, there needs to be a, a serious engagement between the HSE and the Department of Health to put in a proper contract for dentists to opt into the uh, HSE or the medical care system. It is crucially, crucially important that everybody has access to dental uh, treatment uh, when they need it. And the medical card always provided for that treatment. There is an issue that has been ongoing for some time, but I do believe that serious engagement, and I was calling for in the discussion that I had in the Dáil um, a, a week or so ago, was to have, you know, not just, you know, have uh, talks skirting around the issue, 
engage with the dental association, engage with everybody to make sure that there's a proper system put in place and that patients who need and people who are on medical cards need tested payment. They have a low income and everybody knows that dental treatment is quite expensive and it is urgently needed to resolve this issue and I have been and will continue to do so. I thought an update on Friday night. I haven't from the Dáil debate and I will be I am told that I would get an update this week. I will, when I have that update, I would bring it to your attention to uh, and to the listeners because I firmly believe that, you know, uh, the people that ring me, my heart would go out to them because they are in such acute pain and we're trying to get a dentist, we're trying to advise them as best we can. And also, you know, people that would have sensory issues, would have um, uh, issues that would... Uh, it, it's a traumatic experience for most people when they go to a dentist, but then when they have uh, other issues with them, it's added, um, I suppose, pain and anxiety in terms of a uh, visit to a dentist. But I think it is urgently needed that this is resolved, and this needs to be resolved, not just, you know, inter-negotiations in the early of the new year to have a contract in place sometime in the middle of next year. This needs to be done now. And, uh, you know, I was assured uh, by those that were taking the debate that the, those negotiations would start again um, and that there would be preliminary negotiations last week. So I'm going to keep on top of it because I urgently think it is vitally important that this is resolved and resolved forthwith. And do you think at this stage that maybe a new scheme is needed that would focus on prevention rather than the treatment side of things? Well, I think so. I think that is, you know, everybody routine dental treatment prevents uh, issues down the line and I think that you know in all of public health um, we have had so many discussions about public health over the last two years in various uh, ways and means but I think in all of of, uh, it is vitally important that uh, there is a system in place for the most vulnerable for the most the the people that have uh, don't have the financial capacity to access dental treatment on a routine basis that that is available to every citizen under the medical care scheme and that prevention is of course an awful lot better than the cure and then when we're mentioning the medical card scheme, we have a situation then for young children. There's over 13,000 of them, Michael, who are deemed in urgent need of orthodontic treatment and they're stuck on waiting lists. And that waiting list seems to be increasing. Some of them, I was reading over the weekend, have been waiting for over four years. Well, the orthodontic treatment, I suppose one of the things right through over the years, uh, it pains me to see the waiting list growing ever, ever increasing for orthodontic treatment. Uh, you know, there was uh, some initiatives done over the last year or two to try and clear them. Actually, going back uh, maybe two, three years ago uh, to try and clear them, but it's ever-growing. And there's huge issues in relation to orthodontic treatment. And going back to the original issue in terms of, you know, if you do, if, if, if their treatment is at an earlier stage, it can prevent an awful lot worse uh, cases and there's an awful lot of issues in terms of anxiety, in terms of uh, difficulties uh, for young people uh, waiting for orthodontic treatment. And, you know, that is something that needs to be looked at in this overall context as well, because um, we have many discussions, many advices in relation to public health, but dental treatment is one of the most important and it needs to be given the recognition that it deserves by both the HSE and the Department of Health and the government at this stage. 
Yeah, well, we'll wait and see what happens. I mean, I suppose the, the, the situation, first of all, regarding those medical cards, you know, we're getting so many calls on that. Let us know if you get a response regarding what? that, because that is something that we, we really are hearing more and more of over the last two years. But I think for the children, it's unfortunate that they're left on those waiting lists yeah. for four years. I will keep you updated. I certainly will keep you updated because um, uh, any information that comes, I will send it to you so that you can share it with your listeners. But I think it is uh, it is something that I feel extremely uh, strong about because I have had uh, conversations both in person and on the phone with uh, with people who are looking for treatment and trying to uh, advise them and knowing that the the pain and the anxiety that they're under, you know, it, it does pain me to see that this is not... Keep, like, I, I feel... Uh, and being honest about it when they didn't when the discussions were on earlier in the year that they didn't give it the due recognition because uh, it, it isn't getting the priority it deserves at this point Okay and as you're on Michael just two issues that have uh, been raised this morning on the programme first of all a lot of people texting regarding the booster jabs and some just annoyed still that people are queuing up or they haven't been called as yet for their booster jab uh, but annoyed that people have you know tried to interact with the HSE from those texts they get they get nowhere and then when they heard Michal Martin coming out last week uh, you know your leader of Fianna Fáil and the Taoiseach of the country saying people weren't taking up the offer people got further annoyed because they were trying to take up the offer but they simply could not and now people have turned to doctors and to pharmacies to avail of the booster jab if they wish to take that up I mean what's your, your response to that I mean what, what, were you well, frustrated by those comments as well uh, considering people were trying to do their best and, and some people were queuing up outside these centres just to be turned away Well I think that they're you know I, I, I don't know where the the origin of the comment or, uh, was coming from in it because from what I am hearing uh, everybody you know, they'd have their arm out uh, in the middle of the street to try and get the booster jab at this stage. You know, that they want the booster jab. They are engaging with all mechanisms electronically in every way to try and see when they, how soon they can get the booster, how fast they can get the booster. And, you know, if we go back to last, uh, in January and in the January and early February when we were talking about the vaccines, there was a huge issue in, in terms of it. But there was an awful lot of, of, of I suppose, a, a mechanism or a network put in place at that time to try and make sure that everybody got the 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 vaccine, and that mechanism or that um, electronic machinery, for the want of a better word, is in place. And I'm at a loss as to why that isn't being rolled out. That there is a system there where the vaccines were rolled out efficiently. If, if um, um, well, there seems to be a system there, Michael, but it, and I don't know if you've heard this from your office, but people are getting texts saying you didn't show up for your booster, but they never got the original text saying your booster will be on at a certain time. And then and when they go into the HSC link, there's nowhere to go following that. Now, maybe that has been rectified since the weekend, but last week we were hearing a load of calls from people well, who were in that situation. Well, that's exactly what I was coming to, right? You know, people are getting messages uh, about the booster and then when they follow it up, you know, it, it, it goes into uh, an endless line. There's no follow-up in it. And I think that, you know, there should be series, like um, this morning there was some talk that there would be new, uh, I suppose, guidelines and new mechanisms to get the booster jab. The nation wants the booster jab. They want the booster jab as soon as possible. And I think that it, it behoves us to make sure that that is rolled out as efficiently as possible. There's huge frustrations out there after two years of this pandemic. And this doesn't need to be one. This should be, in my opinion, you know, that there was a mechanism there. And I'm at a loss to see why, you know, people are getting texts. 
getting text messages to say that they have it or they hadn't it or they shouldn't and they can't, you know, clarify that position for, the, for themselves. I think that we need to be very clear how fast we can get, you know, this morning they were talking about a million and a half in the next two weeks. Uh, but it, it, it needs to be efficient and effective and not have, you know, the pressures being put on the, the community pharmacies and the GPs. My God, they have done so much work over the last two years, such fantastic work. But, like, to make sure that every part of the, our engagement with the public health, uh, be the vaccine centres or other others, you know, they all know what they're doing. They have the clear guidance for what they're doing and that there's no issues when somebody turns up at either one of the places so that there's clear guidance. And that is necessary at this point in time. It is very clear that, it, that the Department of Health and HSE should be looking at that and rolling out a system on the back of what was done earlier in the year on the vaccines and make it as pain-free as possible because people are really at the end of their tether in relation to, you know, minding and managing the, the, the pandemic over the last two years. And I think there's an added stress, you know, coming into the Christmas season as well. And, you know, there's a lot of, of, of challenges that people have had over the last two years. And I think they're manifesting themselves in a major way over the last short while. And just on the tech service that is being ro- that is rolled out, is that operated by the HSE or has it been outsourced to another company? Could there be a problem well, with the way it has gone from the outsourcing point of view if it was outsourced? Well, the issue, I believe, is internally from the HSE. But, you know, the mechanism of, of the Texas, I, I, I can't answer that whether mm. it is outsourced or not, but I understand it is from internally within the HSE. I, obviously, I presume there are some telecommunications companies involved, which is... But uh, my question, I suppose, and my challenge to the system, and uh, John Paul, is that, you know, there was an effective system run out between uh, the 1st of February and the 1st of August, if you will, in terms of the vaccine. Yeah. Where is that machinery? Where True. is that technology? Where is that information? Why can't that be reciprocated or used in terms of a third dose at this point? Uh, it was very effective from the first dose to the second dose of the vaccine. If we take it that this is the third dose of the vaccine or the third shot in the vaccine, why can't that efficiencies or where has it fallen down that that isn't as efficient as it was uh, earlier this year? Yeah, and where, where the breakdown in communication was from when it worked at the start of the year, why is it not working now? And, and very finally, Michael, you may have heard me say there earlier in the show and a few texts asking your opinion on this, uh, the Finance Minister, Pascal Dunehu, has insisted that if there is to be an election, if there was one to be called, for example, next year, that they would go back with the Grand Coalition into government for the next election. That would be the Greens, Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael again going together. Uh, we have heard some people, though, say, and last week uh, a colleague of yours from Cork East, uh, Ned O'Keefe, uh, felt that maybe Fianna Fáil should have gone with Sinn Féin the last time round and if the figures are looking the way they are by the polls over the weekends and last week it would again look like it would be Sinn Féin and another party which could be Fianna Fáil if we can go on, on what the polls are, are saying I mean would that be the way things should go for the future if people are voting that direction or, or, or do you think the grand coalition that is there now could work or could, could get in the next time round despite what the polls are saying I think we, we put together a programme for government uh, in uh, was signed off in June of uh, 2020. 
uh, there's about a year and a half into this government. Uh, there's huge challenges out there in relation to what needs to be done. There's huge challenges to get a proper um, handle, I suppose, on the new variant of the vaccine and all the other issues that are out there in terms of cost of living and so forth. And, like, the government, the, the election was in February of 2020, so in ordinary events that there would be another three years in this government. And to speculate or to talk about the next election, does that mean that we are now concentrating on that or are we going to concentrate on what is needed to be done uh, for this country and its citizens over the next while? I think that we should be, the government should be collectively looking at what are the challenges for the ordinary man and woman on the street and dealing with them as effectively as possible. Uh, you know, the next election, and no more than the last election, you know, the election campaign changed the 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 focus or changed the the in a, in a major way, and I think that it will be ample time to be fighting the election in the run into that election, not starting the election bid, you know, in some countries or in some, you know, that there's an election bid nearly constantly. I think that we have a programme for government which was difficult for our party and difficult for an awful lot of people to uh, sign up to that. But we went into that to deal with the issues that we're facing. And I think that it behoves us all to make sure that we are at the forefront of our mind, that we are looking at what are the daily challenges that people have in their lives, whether it is on the agricultural sector, whether it is in rural Ireland, whether it is in the, the dental treatment, whether it is in the vaccines, whether in a whole variety of issues, education, special needs, disabilities, uh, in every aspect there are challenges there. And it behoves us, the, the, the people expect us to do our job to the best of our ability and the speculation on the next direction you know i think is you know purely speculative at this stage there's a hell of a pile of work to do if government wants to apply themselves to do it and to do them in a serious way and to challenge and make sure that we can affect the lives of our citizens for the better over the next while and do you know, as, as a politician who is in Minister House, I mean, why is there so much speculation? As you say, the government is still relatively new. It's, it's you know, less than two years in. Uh, and I suppose you could say the speculation may be coming from the Fine Gael party. If you read the papers, I mean, opinion polls will be published all the time. Uh, I mean, why is it so much talk of an election when, as you say, the government is just in under two years? And I don't mean this to make any political point, mm-hmm. right? I, 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 I just, in just isolation, I'll make this point. For the period between 2017 and 2020, when the, there was a constant talk of an election every week. Mm. There was constant talk of an election. And where that was going from, you know, uh, and I think, you know, look, I suppose politics and elections and media commentators and elections and so forth. Yes, there is, you know, there there is change. Politics has changed in this country. Politics has changed, but I think that there is a, an expectation by the public that the politicians do the work on behalf of their constituents and their countries to the best of their ability as they move forward. You know, we can constantly talk about the elections, but the real issues are the issues that are on the ground that need to be dealt with on a daily basis, that need to be dealt with here and now. We can talk from one election to another if we want to, but if we don't apply ourselves to what the people, uh, you know, what are the challenges that people meet in their daily lives, that's why we were sent to Dublin in the first instance. Uh, That's why we were asked 
to be their public representatives to try and do something to better the lives of our citizens. And that's what I am about. You know, the next election, whenever that will be, we will we will fight it to the best of our ability. But I think it is totally and absolutely unhelpful to be discussing. And I see the front page of the papers this mm-hmm. morning about an election and so forth. You know, nobody knows what will the election be fought on, what will be the issues that will be facing it. You know, if somebody has spoken to you on the 13th of December 2019 and would have explained to you that we would have had two years of a global pandemic, uh, that by Patrick's Day of 2020, there would be no pub open or no church open, you know, people would have had a dim look at you and they would say, Where, what planet is that person on? And I think that we have to deal with the issues that are out there uh, right now and deal with them to the best of our ability, but certainly not to have speculation after speculation after speculation, because I think that takes the mind off of the people that should be dealing with the very serious issues that people have on a daily basis in their daily lives. Okay, Michael, well, we'll leave it there. As you say, it is uh, on a lot of the front pages of all the papers this morning about uh, an election and to re-elect the Grand Coalition, but we'll wait and see what happens for the moment. Michael, thanks for joining us this morning on the programme. God bless you. Bye-bye. Uh, that's uh, the Cork Northwest West Fáil Deputy Michael Moynihan. Your views are welcome uh, on if you are affected initially, what we were speaking about regarding the medical cards and the dentist. If you're still finding it hard to access a dentist and you're on the medical card, let us know. Uh, your views are welcome and on the re-election. Is there just too much talk about it when the government are just barely in the door under two years? Uh, your views are welcome. 1850-333-103 to Bernie on phone. You can tweet at C103Cork or you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 Talk today, JP, until one. Our lines are open. Bernie taking your comments on 1850-333-103 or you can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Ahead, we'll be discussing and chatting with the journalist and broadcaster Flora McCarthy. She joins us because she has published a book called The Book of President's Letters and these are letters received and sent to various presidents over the years. It's a really interesting book and the letters have been reprinted. It's fascinating to see the typewriters and the font and the actual original letter writing that was being used over the number of years uh, from the the 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s it's just fascinating to see this, the book is out now and we'll chat with Flora on why she decided to uh, go and publish this book and also a great day had yesterday on the Glashing Road and we'll continue to do so between now and Christmas for those who unfortunately just can't uh, go along and uh, get a haircut or indeed get a meal and looking after the homeless community in Cork is Joseph Byrne of uh, Joseph's Hair Saloon We'll check in with him as well before midday. And also, if you were watching the last singer standing, that uh, TV show on RTE, uh, the talent show, well, a Cork singer, he was crowned winner last night from Bannonlock, Patrick O'Sullivan, or Saturday night even that was on. So Patrick O'Sullivan, uh, well done to him. We'll chat with Patrick as well uh, later in the programme. And Annalisa, not joining us today, but we are still going to be discussing and nutritional topics by looking at the benefits of yoga. Uh, many people, I'm sure, if, they, if you do yoga, you'll be well aware, but some people uh, might not be aware of the benefits of yoga. So what is it all about? If you've been wondering, we'll discuss that after 12.30. And your views are welcome across the programme on text or WhatsApp 0862103103. And earlier I was mentioning about the trucker protests that is taking place at the moment in Dublin. Uh, this is where truck drivers from across the country have descended on the capital. They are highlighting 
the increase in fuel and petrol prices and it's the Irish Truckers and Haulage Association against fuel prices that are doing this because they remember the day the farmers went along as well to protest in Dublin they joined up with the farmers on that day and they have again descended on Dublin today they feel uh, the prices of fuel is too high for them to continue uh, to operate and that will have a knock and effect for everybody in this country because if fuel prices are going to affect the haulage industry well then they are transporting our goods so goods will go up in the end uh, Ger in Middleton uh, says on this the government could stop the fuel hikes he should cap the price of fuels if the government should cap the price of fuels uh, he feels that last week Michal Martin was uh, blaming people for not taking up the booster shops shots even but this is not true as we heard earlier in the show as well people are queuing up and being sent away and then people are not getting texts and there's a big confusion as we discussed earlier on the tech situation uh, from the HSC on your booster jab so uh, Jer in Middleton not in agreement with what the government is saying and doing on the booster shots but also uh, regarding to fuel prices and fuel hikes which uh, as we have heard over the years you know the taxes on this country are so high on fuel prices if they were reduced then the fuel would not be as expensive as it is we can't do anything on the oil prices but we can change uh, the tax that is on fuel and the VAT uh, but as that is not done that is why the prices remain high but as I was saying there and I don't know if anybody else has noticed this our prices slowly coming down at the pumps I thought I noticed that at the weekend and Jerry on text saying yes I noticed that too only by about 3 or 4 cent depending on where you go for diesel says Jerry uh, while Liam saying I paid for petrol yesterday and it was 168 that's 4 cent less than it was last week at 172 so for the moment they seem to be decreasing maybe a good time to go out and fill up the tank if you have to uh, says Liam on text to 0862103103 have you noticed that and where you were prices slowly coming down um, and this in from Robert and Robert says I was out having a pint yesterday and a customer in the bar uh, he was told is working with a person who was tested positive for COVID Robert says I did not know this at the time he's only heard this morning he wants to know what should he do well first of all you don't know if that person you know how true is the story bars are a great place for Chinese whispers where one story will change into a totally different story by the time anybody else hears it so I don't know uh, you know you don't know the exact situation of this if he was with the person Person. Could he have possibly, you know, contracted COVID? And then for your own sake, anyhow, uh, I would do an antigen test if you're worried. Uh, you pick up an antigen test uh, and do that. And that will tell you one way or the other. Maybe do it every second day or every day uh, for your own sake. If you are uh, worried, Robert, not much you can do uh, wherever you are. I mean, no one knows who has or who has not this. So if you're worried, I would take the responsibility and take the lead yourself. Uh, a bar or anybody else can't do much if somebody has it or hasn't. Um, you know, once they show the search, how are you supposed to know? So uh, on that, I would simply, you know, take the matter into your own hands, uh, go and buy uh, a test, uh, antigen test and, and test yourself. And then you'll know if you are worried about that. Uh, also on the issue of the new variant that we spoke about earlier and we were discussing this, the impact, I suppose, that could have in Ireland uh, with the uh, Cork Northwest West Fall Deputy Michael Moynihan and on WhatsApp says, why are the government then allowing people to come into Ireland from Britain if the new variant is so bad why are they they're continuing to do this well they can't stop people I suppose from coming in either and you will have people who wish to come home for Christmas so they're not going to stop people what they are doing though and as I mentioned there they are going to ask people to get antigen tests or PCR tests when they come into the country and then to continue uh, to test yourself for five days after you have landed in Ireland and that then will give people a good indication on where they are at in relation uh, to the new variants and indeed in relation to COVID so uh, th- that's all 
that can be done at the moment. I don't think people would welcome an ultimate ban, though, from people, you know, who are travelling from uh, the UK into Ireland. Uh, that will continue. I can't see that stopping uh, especially at this time of the year anyhow and Mike on on text wants to know about the Christmas payments for the social welfare payments and what will happen with them well uh, and you're in looking for the, the disability allowance Mike uh, good morning to you well I can tell you the latest on that is as you know they double up in various parts um, every year the, the payments will double up because the post offices and the banks will close on Christmas Eve so on this the latest we have on this view Mike is that for the post office weekly payment arrangements for this Christmas payments that are due on Monday the 27th they may be collected on Tuesday the 21st the payments due for the collection on Tuesday the 20th the 8th of December they can be collected on Wednesday the 22nd and payments due for collection on Wednesday the 29th then you can collect those from the post office on Thursday the 23rd so hopefully Mike that answers your question there regarding those payments and we had a text earlier from Anna and Anna was asking about Christmas cards and she was wondering do people still send Christmas cards or she noticed people stopped for a while over the last few years but she's noticed people again sending Christmas cards in the last while and she's doing her list up and she's wondering should she send them to her full list or just to the usuals she would have on her list says Anna and I was saying I didn't send them for years in, in the last two years because you simply don't see people as much with everything going on with restrictions and everything I started sending Christmas cards again from a, a work point of view and my own personal life point of view uh, and on that uh, a big reaction actually to this to Anna I think Anna start writing and get the cards out because a lot of people are back sending Christmas cards more than ever before Julie Imalo saying that uh, that she has sent a lot of Christmas cards out again this year she did the same last year and more than previous years for that very reason not able to see people Rob isn't Skibberine uh, he says, I never send them usually, uh, but now I do because we simply aren't able to call the people. But for those of my friends who are abroad as well, I don't see them because they're not coming back as regular with everything going on. And Lorraine is in Crosshaven. I always do and I always have sent Christmas cards over the years. I never stopped with the volume. I have friends overseas in Canada, in New Zealand and Australia. And I think there is still something lovely about receiving a Christmas card. Indeed, there is Lorraine in Crosshaven on text or WhatsApp 0862. 103 103 do you receive the Christmas cards and do you enjoy receiving a Christmas card I think everybody would when you get that in the post anyhow Christmas cards Anna I think on what we've got back there I think it is time to start writing people uh, continue more than ever now to send out their Christmas cards your views are welcome 1850 or you can text or WhatsApp 0862 briefly back on the fuel prices a number of people in by text including Frank who says yes I got a petrol over the weekend down by 3 cents to 169 so at the moment prices are down but JP, how long will the last? That is the question, Frank. Uh, you can call Bernie as well uh, with your comments across the morning. 1850 C103 Jobs. And on today's job spot, we have opportunities which include early years educators are wanted for ABC Childcare in Douglas. You can email newapplicants001 at gmail.com. And a tractor driver is wanted for Kinsale. Call 087 2989 And an experienced and Reliable bar person is wanted in the Kanturk area. Contact 87 for further details. You'll find all these details and a lot more job opportunities now. Just go online to c103.ie forward slash job. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. 
Now, have you or do you know anyone who was written to the President of Ireland? A new book just published reprints some of the amazing letters written to our presidents over the years. And it's a truly fascinating read. A broadcaster and journalist Fleur McCarthy joins me to discuss the President's Letters, an unexpected history of Ireland. A very good morning to you, Fleur. Good morning to you, John Paul. And I'm delighted to be on the, the Cork links with this book. Uh, Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> of course, and a proud West Cork woman you are yourself, Fleur. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> I brought the book actually home um, two weeks ago to Skibbereen in Baltimore and did some signings in the Skibbereen Heritage Centre and in Field Supermarket in Skib and in the lovely Yellow Door gift shop in Baltimore and that was great fun and all my old school pals came out of the woodwork to say hi. Oh, fantastic. It's always great to, to be back in the home ground with these sort of things. But a lot of people remember you over the years, Fleur, on a reporter on RTE News and, of course, newscaster as well, and now on Aroctus TV. So where did the love of President's Letters come from? Because it's a fascinating book. I mean, just even to see the, the font and the actual, the way of writing over the years and, and the different style yeah. of writing in, in the letters. How did you come up with this idea and the concept? Well, thanks so much, Um you know, they've done a beautiful job on it, New Island and um, River Design, and it's just a it's, a it's a gorgeous thing to hold and flick through and see all these letters. Um, I guess the idea was knocking around in my head for years, and um, I love books of letters. As you were saying earlier about um, the woman who asked about should I send Christmas cards a few minutes ago, you know, mm. who doesn't love to receive a good letter and, and indeed read historical letters? And then I guess I was also... Um, through my work in RT and Rockless TV, I was used to dealing with Oris Nuthron, and I began to wonder about the letters. Where are they? It's a part of our heritage that hasn't really been looked at or researched so far. And then the third thing that happened was my own son, James, five years ago, wrote a letter to President Higgins. And I thought to myself, where does that letter go? What's become of it? Um, are they kept? Are these letters from kids archived? Um, if so, what other letters are there? And what's in them? And so I thought, well, I went in search of the book. It didn't exist. So I thought, right, better write it myself. <laughs> so that's what happened. And where are, did you find out in the end, obviously you did, where they keep all these letters and especially like the one your son sent? I did. And you know what? There should have been a team of people doing this book, not just me. <laughs> um, so it took a few years. Um, they are kept. They are archived. And the wonderful thing about the letters is that all those letters from children are also being kept. And irrespective of the age of the letter writer, the letters were treated with respect. So you've got letters in there from kids as young as six. And you've got lots of letters from centenarians who've received their check in the post on their 100th birthday and they're all archived so it really depends on the president the papers of three of our presidents de valera um, odali and hillary are all in ucd archives and they were hugely helpful and then some of the earlier ones hyde and o'kelly for example are in um, the national archives in dublin and in the uh, national library and then i got really special permission president, uh, the two former presidents who are still with us, Mary Robinson and Mary McAleese, allowed me wonderful access to their archives. The Mary Robinson archive consists of 700 boxes. It's being catalogued at the moment in NUI Galway by wonderful archivist Neve Nihara, and I got special access from the library and Mary Robinson to go in and fish out the correspondence files and find some treasures there. 
Well, so a lot of work went into this. Not only I thought everything was going to be centralised in the Auras, it's, it's in different locations. So you had it's to go looking for these locations or for these yeah, letters. Yeah, I did. I had to spend two years really reading oh. thousands and thousands of letters to narrow down the choice. And then I got in trouble with the publishers in New Ireland because they were oh. saying to me, look, the book can't be 800 pages long. <laughs> you kind of have to narrow it down further. So really what's in the book are the, the very special ones. And a lot of these letters, would they have ever been published before or is this the first time they've seen the light to the public? Most of them have never been published before and some of them have never been seen in public before. So, for example, there are very, very special letters um, from and to and from President Erskine Childers because, of course, his presidency was so short because he, he was the only president to die in office and after just 18 months or so. So there aren't too many President Childers letters. And then there were some some real gems that have never been seen. And as I say, these are part of our heritage. So there's the envelope on which, the famous envelope now, on which President Mary McAleese wrote Uthman August Acharda, which became the words that Queen Elizabeth rose to her feet in Dublin Castle, the only speech she gave on her state visit here in 2011. And she opened her speech in Irish, which was an ex- extraordinary moment and it was on on that envelope that those words were written and we traced it to a university in Australia where a British diplomat is now uh, on the staff there and he had it in in the drawer of his desk and he said oh sure show this to the world it's a very important document. And you mentioned the Queen there. I mean, there's the who's who of heads of state uh, from the 20th century and many famous world leaders have written to our presidents over the years. I mean, they're all documented here in the book, but it's fascinating to see who has written. We wouldn't think of some what they have said to the president as well over the years. Absolutely. I mean, it really is, as you say, a who's who. There's everyone from the ones you'd expect, you know, um, JFK and Jackie Kennedy, Princess Grace, Mandela. But then you go Castro, Gaddafi, there's a two-page vicious diatribe of a letter to President Hillary from Colonel Muammar Gaddafi in in Libya, in which he's saying, you are the enemy, you cause hatred. Um, It's a really fascinating letter. And then there's a little one that comes with it from the Department of Foreign Affairs to Arsenal saying, "Uh, no need to reply to this one. Um, But it's, it's really a very... Um, eclectic mix, you know, there's the letters between De Valera and Princess Grace and indeed young Princess Caroline when she was only four are really charming and uh, you know, Dev sent a gift of a pony, a pony, an Irish pony, six-year-old called Babbling Brook uh, was sent by sea and rail all the way to Monte Carlo in 1961 as a gift for the young princess and her letter back to Dev is priceless just six words, dear sir, thank you, love, Caroline. <laughs> and um, and he wrote to her, signing off his letters, Slonlap, with love, EDV. I don't know about you, JP, but that wasn't the dev we learned about in school. No, it wasn't, no, it wasn't. <laughs> 
And within within the book, there's pictures as well. And there's pictures of the actual letters that young children sent. I'm just looking at the, the various ones here. But there's one that stood out for me, Fleur. Uh, mm. And it's quite a sad one. It's it's the poem about peace. And it was written by a Bunkran, a schoolboy. It was Sean McLaughlin wrote it. And he presented it to President Mary McAleese. And this was on a school trip when they went along to the Aureus. I think it was in the early summer of 1997. Yeah. And then, of course, that was the same summer that unfortunately uh, we had had the, the Oma bombing wasn't it um, a few weeks later oh, and yeah. that poor young boy was uh, was killed in the Oma bombing he was and it's so poignant reading his words it was a poem about hands across the border oh, I think Fleur has just dropped out there we might just line her back up there Bernie again uh, Jeline has we'll just li- line that up again there but that poignant letter she was just uh, telling us there about that Bunkrana schoolboy Sean McLaughlin um, to think that you know you go along to the trip in the Oris and it's a huge deal for anybody who has been to the Oris I haven't been but for, I'm sure school trips if you have been there it's a massive deal to go along to the Oris and then to think uh, that only uh, six weeks later uh, that awful bombing uh, that we um, are so aware of in Oma uh, that unfortunately uh, that poor young boy Sean was killed in that bombing just a, an awful situation uh, and just going through the book I mean there's fantastic pr- uh, pictures and newspaper cuts of the various presidents over the years as well. Uh, for example, there is a Douglas Hyde um, a paper cuttings of when when there was letters sent to him and there's so many others within the book. It's just fascinating, I think, just to see, you know, the typewriters we had years ago, uh, the fact that they're, they're written, not printed off by computer, but actually written on a typewriter and just the various fonts that we had over the years as well. It's just fascinating to see them all. Anyhow, we'll wait and try and get a floor back on the line very shortly uh, and we'll have a chat with her in the next while. It will take a break first though. And Fleur is back with us on the line. Apologies, Fleur, the line went down. The- when you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. There, uh, oh, but no worries. We were discussing it can happen live radio the joys of it but we were discussing there uh, just that that very poignant letter you were describing from the Bunkrana school by Sean McLaughlin uh, to President Mary McAleese. Yeah, and it, it's just a devastating read, really, but very very special. And he was writing about peace, and then what do you know? Six weeks later, he's attending his funeral uh, in Oma, uh, in Bunkrana rather. He and uh, two other little local schoolboys had been um, shopping on a Saturday afternoon with Spanish students who'd been staying in Bancana, as you remember, and so several of those were killed as well. So we got onto his, his parents very kindly allowed us to um, publish his poem. 
there. And you know, this, as you said, the letters from kids are just wonderful and really warm-hearted and they give a whole different perception really of the presidency because we think of it mostly in its formal way, you know, the head mm. of state writing. But as Terry Carney, from uh, manager of the uh, Skibreen Heritage Centre, who wrote the introduction to the letters from children, she put it brilliantly. She said, children wrote about everything under the sun from the abolition of the death penalty to the abolition of homework. <laughs> Very true, yeah, and, and, and they they work in a different mind capacity, but it's just the truth that comes out. It's just fantastic to see them, yeah. and the colour that they put into their letters as well stands out in the book from the various ones that are published. Just the colourful uh, colours that they put in the surrounding of the letters, uh, and yeah, and the, all the drawings. Yeah, totally. And you mentioned there Terry Carney, of course, from the Heritage Centre in Skibbereen. I mean, she was a contributor in the book, and there's a big Cork flavour in the book as well. I mean, people will be very familiar with the Glamour magazine based out of New York, and the editor in chief there is Samantha Barry and also uh, we've seen letters published from the likes of Pat O'Connell who sent a letter of good wishes to President Michael D. Higgins when he was going along to his state visit in the UK in 2014 because of of course the Queen was already then uh, in English markets so he was passing on best wishes to them that way so there's a a selection of letters really locally uh, here in this book as well. Oh, there is, and and that was totally accidental, I have to tell you, <laughs> uh, the cork flavour. No, I, I did come across um, a lot of le- letters that merited being in the book that just happened to have been from Cork, and uh, County Cork and Munster comes out pretty well out of it. And yeah, I love that Pat O'Connell letter because he's wishing President Michael T. Higgins well on his visit to Buckingham Palace, and of course in doing so, he's letting him know that he made it there before him. <laughs> Um, and no better of, man. Of, uh, no better man, as you say. Lots of uh, beautiful drawings by school kids from Mill Street. Um, President Robinson visited uh, Presentation National School in 1991, and the children wrote letters. And and so we scattered some of their really colourful drawings throughout the book as well. And then there's a letter, and uh, people may may remember uh, James Joseph Walsh. He was from Bandon. He was a former minister of Posts and Telegraphs and a senior GA figure as well. And he's included. He was. This is a scurrilous letter, and it's in the chapter on women and presidency. And in fact, Mary Robinson quoted this when she very kindly launched the book for us a few weeks ago in Dunleary in our local library. And she was very funny. She she, uh, she did an impression of J.J. Walsh, this minister, because he was writing at the time to the Taoiseach. And the 1937 Constitution was being, it was 1937-38, and it was being drafted in which the office of the president was being set up for the very first time. And he said that the wheels of the women's liberation movement needed to be rolled back and that at the early days of the foundation of the state, women, women, um, their fangs, their poisonous fangs, were everywhere in evidence. <laughs> Can you believe it? So it took um, another, you know, several decades before we had a, a female president. And, yeah, uh, different times, to... very different times when you see that letter uh, in black and white or maybe in yellow and white as it is here in the book. And uh, then from those type of letters, and you mentioned there about the people sending in thank yous uh, to the president on the 100th birthday and, and what they received in that time. Uh, mm. There was a, a blacklist seemingly as well at the Oris. 
There was, and it was great fun discovering that because, um, you know, you you think in your head we've all seen images of those wonderful events at Ars Nuchtron and the formal affairs and then the more informal ones in recent years and people milling around in the, in the gardens. But yeah, there was a blacklist. It wasn't advertised, it wasn't described as a blacklist, but it was de facto uh, a blacklist of who would never be invited back. Some surprising names on it. Um, of course, the revolutionary um, Maud Gone, who was a friend of President Hyde's, but at one point he was signing in a bill into law. She didn't like it, and so she declined to uh, attend a garden party, and there was a, 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 a note put on her file at the Irish, on her social, social uh, file saying um, never to be invited back. Poet Patrick Kavanagh was another, um, and his... His big crime was that he turned up to a reception, a Red Cross reception, wearing what was described as a green woolen jumper and sandals with socks. Oh. And <laughs> so is that why he was banned? That's why he was banned. He oh. pretended, apparently, to be one of the guests. And he was there as a journalist at the time because he wrote also as a journalist, as well as being a poet, under the, the name Piers Plowman. And um, the, the secretary at the Oris was really horrified at his behaviour and said, right, he's gone. And then, um, I, I personally obviously don't remember this guy, but and neither would you, but um, the ukulele king, he was known as George Formby, we'd have heard the name. He was at one point the highest paid entertainer in life entertainment in England. And um, he was banned for allegedly making disparaging remarks about Ireland. I think it was about Ireland's neutrality in the war. Okay. So he said, right, yeah. he's gone. He's crossed he's gone off as well. the list. <laughs> well, they were strict enough, weren't they? When you hear, I, mean, I was wondering why Patrick Kavanagh would have been on the the blacklist, but yeah, they, they weren't taking any chances with anything. <laughs> regards yeah, to invites. and you know that that's I think why New Island suggested the the uh, subtitle for the book, an unexpected history of Ireland, yeah. because you know there's a lot in there about the the day to day formal role of the president and on the world stage as well. But then you've got these surprises, and I have to say, I love them. Yeah, they are, and they're the ones that stand out when you're going through the yeah. book. And uh, finally, the sport, of course, a huge part that plays here in Ireland. And I'm looking here at letters from various golf clubs and the likes of San Francisco GAA uh, to the President Mary McAleese at the time. And it was Sonia Sullivan uh, who wrote a poignant card to President Robinson. And this was following, following the Olympics in 1996, wasn't it, and the Games in Atlanta? It was, and it's a really lovely, it's a very short card, um, and I think it's, it's the front of it depicts uh, Monet's water lilies and mm. it's to President Robinson and she's thanking her for all her support over the years, but particularly at the Games in Atlanta and Sonia's saying how she was sad not to have come home with the gold. But then she finishes by saying something really great. She says, but I'm going to move on and leave the past where it belongs in the past. Yeah, Isn't that lovely? that's a lovely phrase to use. And I think a lot of those phrases could be used in regards to Ireland uh, for various uh, items that yeah. we discuss over the years. Um, Fleur, it's a fantastic book. I mean, as you said, the publishers were, were telling you to cut down the pages. Uh, <laughs> we could continue talking to you for another half an hour about the book. There's so much in it. But as you know, we, we have to move on. But, uh, well, it's, maybe volume two. <laughs> well, I think it could be volume two. <laughs> Certainly, I think you'll have a volume two. It's a hardback. It's a beautiful book. And you know, it's a book that you could put down and then pick up again because it's one of those books that you, you'll always go back and look at, isn't it? It's, it's, it's a book that will never outdate and it's a book that will fascinate you every time you pick it up because there's so much in it and there's so much, every letter is just totally different. 
thanks so much, John Paul. And you know, as you say, they're totally different. And the, even the handwriting, mm. we can tell so much. And nowadays, about 50% of the communication to our snookeron are electronic, mostly yeah. email. So these letters are going to become more and more special, I think. They are, of course, yeah, because everything that you say is going to be by email these days. And uh, yeah. that's something for the future. But for the moment, we'll uh, cherish these letters that we have. Uh, Fleur, congratulations on the book. I know Patricia sends her regards. She's sick today, unfortunately, uh, this morning. I will, of course. I'll pass them on. And again, well done. The book is available before I let you go, I, I presume, in, in most bookstores. Absolutely. It's all over the place. And if your local bookstore doesn't have it, they can order it or you can order it online from New Island, New Island Books as well. OK, well, Fleur, well done. Uh, it's a fantastic book. It's The President's Letters and Unexpected History of Ireland Thanks by Fleur so McCarthy. Much. And have a great Christmas to yourself and James. You too. Very happy Christmas to you and all your listeners. Take care. Thank you. Uh, the wonderful Fleur McCarthy there, broadcaster and journalist. And that book, as she said, is available in all good bookstores. A nice one for the Christmas period and something different uh, to discuss this morning. Uh, your views are welcome on maybe those various letters we discussed or indeed something you want to raise on this morning show. You can call Bernie 1850 text or WhatsApp 0862103103 a lot of calls coming in about the uh, fuel prices and yes I was wondering was it just me but no fuel prices are decreasing Eddie is in Mahan and he says I got diesel in the in the city in the Borhi Manor Road in the city uh, for 148 last Friday it was way more expensive in other areas but 148 that's very low so the Borhi Manor Road is where to go for the moment for low diesel prices but majority of people I'm looking here on the text of WhatsApps, uh, more or less saying that prices have decreased by roughly around three to four cents. So that's the rough indication on petrol and diesel prices, both decreasing by about three or four uh, cents. Now, hopefully that continues and they'll decrease by more. Uh, but as we all know, they go down as fast as they go up. So we'll have to wait and see. Anyhow, thank you for your calls and texts. Um, a great day yesterday held in the Glashing Road. Uh, really good will story. We'll hear about that next year on C103. Well-known Cork hairdresser Joe Byrne of Joe on the Glashing Road just once again this Christmas helping out those most in need and to see how he is getting on he joins me good morning to you Joseph good morning my friend how are you I'm fine and thanks for joining us and many happy returns I mean every year you do organise this day for the homeless community and others who are just finding it tough Uh, how did yesterday go between yourself and Flannery's Oh, it was amazing it was the best day ever now in the 10 years Mm. we're doing it it was the best the bigger and the best we had Flanders, which was amazing. We had the marquee, so we had to do food. And we had the magician, Gerald Clarney, for the kids. And we had a band playing. And we had Santa. And we had everything. Oh, my God, it was amazing. It was fantastic. Exhausting. Emotionally exhausting, physically exhausting, mentally exhausting. But it was fantastic. And the joy that this gives people who just, you know, can't afford to have some luxury like this. And then those, as I mentioned, from communities and those, unfortunately, who went up uh, homeless on our streets, that they can experience something like this, Joseph. Yeah, amazing. Can you imagine now just coming in, getting a wash cut and blow dry? And for the ladies, a wash cut and restyle. I mean, they went out fantastic. Some hadn't their hair done since they got it done last year. And they were thrilled, you know, they giving them new styles, showing interest in their appearance. Um, hot water, so lovely feel in the salon, lovely atmosphere. Because it's not a charity event for me; it's an event for Christmas for friends of ours who are in need. You know, it's not charities. So we're not doing anything better than anyone else. You know what I mean? Um, then going over to Flannery's, having the hot food, amazing gifts. You wouldn't believe the stuff we got for people. The donations from the public and your listeners, and thanks very much. It was just amazing. 
and the volunteers to come in and do the hair as well because my staff wouldn't be able to do it all you know Mm. a real feel good moment a really feel good moment and also then I mean while that was held yesterday you're you're continuing on to help Joseph I mean you will continue to help people right up until Christmas itself oh absolutely yeah I'll be paying electricity bills I'll be doing things like that for people because see what happens customers might be paying for their hair and they're saying here Joe there's 20 euros to water or cars or help somebody out so uh, you know during the week, I paid a 150 electricity bill for somebody, things like that, and was still collecting stuff. And then you see, there'd be people that would love to get their hair done, but they'd be embarrassed or they'd be afraid coming to the salon or coming to such a, um, what they call it, um, an event like that. So they come quietly. I'll have someone sitting down there now next week getting the wash, cut, and blow dry, and nobody will know their business, and they'll be involved with everybody else. And, you know, we continue that for the year. We'll do that for the year. We'll do it for communities. We'll do it for Easter. We'll do it for anybody that needs it. Fair play. And I'm blown away by you. Will actually, when you obviously tips you get, you help out those who are unable to pay their energy bills. And you see, yeah, you see what what happens if if, if someone comes down, they pay them and say, "Joe, yeah. here's twenty euros," and they say, "This is towards what you do," and they give they they give me a gift of twenty euros, and I just keep it. Then I leave it accumulate, and what we do, pay off pay off a few things or whatever anybody needs to fill a fridge or. Whatever needs to be done, the money is there then. And I don't spend it all over Christmas either. I keep a bit and come after Christmas because people need after Christmas as well. You know what I mean? They need more then because after Christmas, you know, homelessness doesn't stop or mm. domestic violence once Christmas is over, you know, continuous. Very so, true. my friend, that is, if I sound, I sound actually, I sound a bit tired because I'm emotional. Flannery's were amazing with the marquee and, you know, for social distance, for everything, it was fantastic. And then, well, that's great, and I think people need that at this time. They need to pick up, they need the feel good situation, as you described there. But you're continuing to help out Penny Dinners as well, of course, with Katrina Toomey. I mean, as you say there, you're helping them financially, but also food wise. Food wise, yeah. Katrina was great friends. You know, people just dropped off into the salon, we got in a couple of boxes every now and then, and selection boxes, and whatever comes in, we drop it in, and we drop it into Edel House and Coonley Records as well. I'd ring and say, you know, how many kids would you have? What ages are they? And we try to, you know, set them up then, whatever they mm. need. Pajamas, toothpaste, toothbrushes. Pajamas are fantastic because if you leave a domestic violence situation, you leave in a hurry. You don't pack a bag, you know. So you leave with nothing. Yeah, true. You're, you're out the door and that's you know, it. Literally shampoos, conditioners, things like that. I get onto the companies, they send down shampoos, conditioners, you know, um, toothpaste, toothbrushes. Basic things that you and I would think wouldn't even be a luxury would be a luxury to them. And while the generosity towards you and the donations seem to be, you know, g- g- coming in well to you there on the Glashing Road, where does the kindness come on your behalf then, you know, to, to run this? I mean, you have a busy salon, it's coming up to Christmas. Uh, you know, I mean, did you grow up in a very kind, you know, generous household? Where does it come from? Well, I came up, I'm the youngest of seven, so we struggled. I came up with, with, with a household that we didn't have much, so anything we got, we appreciate it. So now I'm lucky in my situation that I can help help and do to see I have the audience, I have the salon, I have the customers, I have the amazing staff to help. So it's amazing. I don't do anything. I all I do is like I was doing Michael Fackley yesterday in the salon and I was in the marquee doing my dance and it's what people do <laughs> yeah. for me and support me. But you know, as children we didn't have what we have now, say, and you know if people had helped us in those days it would have probably made such a difference to our lives. So my mother had seven I was the youngest of seven. So we didn't have much, you know what I mean? 
So but, I have an opportunity I can do now. Yeah, and, and and you appreciate any help that you got back then. You, you're you're filling that appreciation now to those Absolutely. who are, who are in need. Yeah. There then, yeah. No, so I'm 61 now. We didn't get it though. It's a service. Now, having said I'm 61, but I'm a very good 61. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> I look very. If you see me on the echo, I look very handsome. But you're a young 61. Yeah, you're a young 61. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and what's, what's know, I, yeah. All your listeners and things have been amazing because anytime I'm on your show or any other show, people ring me up to drop in stuff and say, oh, I just, this, I'd love, love to keep it something towards us. So it's fantastic. I couldn't do it without them, you know what I mean? Yeah, people are fantastic and it's great that the generosity amazing, is still yeah. there. They're amazing, amazing. yeah. Yeah, Cork people. Uh, they're fantastic. Before I let you go, your Christmas plans yourself, I mean, you, you will be closing uh, for a few days over Christmas, I'm sure. What, what's your Christmas plan after all the generosity you, you, you've my, carried out there? Come Christmas Eve even, I will absolute collapse into a coma have a wonderful Christmas with my fabulous husband we'll sit down have a, we'll just have the whole Christmas to ourselves and I love it that way nice and peaceful and veg oh, out and yeah. it's perfect and I'd just like to wish all your listeners and all out there a very very happy Christmas and yourselves and looking forward to seeing you at the Pride of Cork next year in March yeah the Cork the Pride of Cork Awards of course this will be a, a yes, big event it was yes. supposed to be in November wasn't it and a lot of people I know we've spoken to over the year are, are up for awards at this uh, you're one of them so it'll be in March That's now right, uh, it'll be in March and I was glad it was cancelled due to you know, it has the restrictions, to be yeah. in March then please God will enjoy it and it'll be more fun. We can, you know, we can dance tonight and have a bit of crack. Well, have a fantastic uh, Christmas, Joseph. Well done on everything you've done uh, over not only yesterday but over the last few weeks and what you'll continue to do there mm-hmm. for, for the various people in Cork who uh, just need a bit of help at this time of the year for various reasons and have and yourself you a great too, Christmas. Friend, yeah. You too, my friend. If there's anyone out there that needs anything, you know, we're always here for them. Our doors are always open. You're very good. Uh, that's a, happy Christmas. a many happy returns to you, Joe. That is a Joseph Byrne there of uh, Joseph's Hair Salon on the Glashing Road. I mean, he every year goes out of his way to help so many people in the Cork area. And again, if you want to donate, you can do so. His salon is based there on the Glashing Road uh, in Cork City. Uh, and the work he does behind the scenes for not only what I've mentioned there and the homeless communities, but as he touched on people who were just find themselves in a situation where they have to leave a home fast or uh, find themselves in a situation where they just don't have the money coming in and they're too embarrassed to, to ask for help but he and the others there involved are willing to help out so well done to all there in Flannery's and indeed uh, Joe himself uh, your views are welcome on fuel prices a mixed views some people are saying that fuel prices are coming back up again but the majority of texts anyhow we're getting they are going down the trucker protests continuing in Dublin as they highlight uh, the fuel uh, pro, uh, fuel prices and the cost of fuel and a lot of this that they're saying could be eliminated if the government reduced the VAT and taxes on fuel. Anyhow, your viewers are welcome on that. Also, after midday, we're going to speak to the Cork singer who was crowned winner of The Last Singer Standing. The show on Saturday night in RTE will be joined by Patrick O'Sullivan from Ballon Law. Your viewers are welcome. 1850-333-103. Bernie taking your comments across the afternoon or indeed you can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. And a lot of calls and comments. And firstly, we were speaking there to Joseph Byrne of the of Joe's Hair Saloon on the Glashing Road and what he did yesterday and will continue to do with regards to helping those in need and those who do require help this Christmas by way of a haircut or by way of food or even getting bills paid and the charity work he does every year and again this year but a lot of people are reacting on that first of all Mossy who says uh, Hi John Paul if the top 20 wealthiest nations in the world could get together they could easily at a stroke of a pen get to grips with world hunger and indeed world poverty we are not naive or gullible to believe they 
can't, the top 20 wealthiest countries could easily sort out this craziness across the world and indeed sort out the increase in fuel prices. We are not dummies, says Mossy. And yeah, I suppose there's so much goes on across the world and as you say there, at a stroke of a pen, things can change overnight. But then when it comes to this situation and we have people like Joe doing what he is doing to help people, you know, you'd wonder could something more be done uh, from the uh, nations across the world on this for those who need more. And it's only this time of the year we, we think about people who need more because it's Christmas. I mean, they need more uh, right throughout the year and not just the winter months but indeed the summer months anyhow Mossy thank you for your WhatsApp to 0862103103 says isn't that just a lovely thing that Joe is doing for people and great to hear his customers contribute throughout the year donating a few bob a lot more countries should do things like this it's a great idea for Christmas says Threes on the issue of fuel prices a lot of people texting in on how low now fuel prices are and a person here saying on the South City Link Road and on on the model firm road, diesel now is at 148. That's quite low uh, compared to 154 and 153, which they were for a lot for diesel. Um, and then they went up to 162, 163 there over the last few weeks, and it was 172, 173 for petrol. So, uh, certainly, the majority of texts we are getting in and are saying that diesel and petrol prices are decreasing, which is a big welcome to people uh, for all of us because the majority of us will and do use the car to get around. And John. On on text on that issue of fuel prices says JP the filling stations are taking the public for fools when the barrel of oil increases they have their prices up the following day this is pure profit taking it takes at least three weeks for the oil prices to feed through to the pumps in other words they are increasing prices of their stock in their tanks the government John Fields should set up an inquiry into these oil companies thank you John for your text on that and I suppose how come they, they go up very fast but it takes a while for them to come down even though uh, just in the last few days I mean if they're at 148 in some petrol stations they have uh, come down a lot in, in the last two or three days uh, but John thank you for your text you can text our WhatsApp 0862103103 and on the booster situation we've been discussing there earlier uh, John in Clonakilty is asking why did the HSE close the vaccination centre at Ahamela in Clonakilty it was a big centre doing a lot of vaccines every day it should be opened again or is there any talks on reopening it asks John in Clonakilty we did ask the HSC a few weeks ago about that because we were aware when they were talking about these booster jabs that uh, the centre in Clonakilty uh, wasn't being mentioned or being on any websites and similar uh, for the GA complex in Mallow not being on any websites for the booster programme uh, but no no plans on reopening either I suppose with the GPs and pharmacies in particular now providing the booster jabs I think people will be going along to local pharmacies if it saves them travelling into the city and maybe that's what the HSC are, are looking towards if they are letting the pharmacies do that and carry out and administer the booster then there's an alternative there and they don't need the big vaccine centres that's the way that more or less what they're looking at the way they are looking at it and it seems that it will be Bantry and the city where the HSC centres will be and then you have certain GPs and you have certain pharmacies as well who are carrying out and administrating the booster John so that's at the moment the way it is you know things change uh, every day in relation to this pandemic so that's not to say that something different won't happen over the next few days but for the moment anyhow 
And that is what is happening. Uh, no change on the way they're administering this. Uh, and people can go along and check with your local pharmacy to see if they are doing that. If you do uh, wish to have a booster, well, then, you know, you don't have to travel uh, the distances. You can check in with your local pharmacy to, say if they, if, to see if they can help you out on that matter as well. And back to the Christmas cards. A lot of talk on the Christmas cards this morning. Anna was asking, first of all, if people still send Christmas cards. Uh, well, they do. And a lot of people were on to say they do now more so than never. But Mike and Bantry says, I sent 40 Christmas cards every year since I moved into my new home. I think everyone likes to get a Christmas card. Indeed they do. Uh, and uh, Mike there and Bantry, another person who sends them out. And I think this year more than ever, people are sending Christmas cards out. Uh, and indeed last year as well, just with everything going on, I think people feel uh, a need to send Christmas cards because first of all, we're not seeing everybody we would usually see. But then outside of all of that, uh, there's the, the warm feeling, uh, as Lorraine was describing earlier from Crosshaven when you receive a Christmas card in the post. So, are you busy doing your Christmas cards? Let us know. Are you one to write them and do you post them out? Uh, because some people were saying they stopped sending Christmas cards about three or four years ago but rejoined that community and have sent them again over the last two years. Anyhow, let us know. Uh, text or WhatsApp 0862103103. On the way, we're going to speak to Patrick O'Sullivan. He is the winner of the show on RTE on Saturday night. That is the last singer standing show. He's from Bannonlock and we'll chat to him very shortly. But just a few more texts in. First of all, can you wish congrats to the Mourne Abbey ladies, their seventh Munster win in a final in the last 70 years. Yes, fantastic team. So well done uh, to the Mourne Abbey ladies on their win yesterday. And you would have heard coverage of that yesterday with Michael Scanlon in Mallow covering that game. And also I must send congrats. You would have heard there on the news to Paul O'Donovan of UCC and Skibbereen Rowing. Of course, Paul won gold back in the summer along with Fintan McCarthy for Ireland at the Olympics and Paul, a busy man, and he was in place himself yesterday at the Celtic Ross Hotel in Ross Carberry for the West Cork Sports Star Awards with C103 and the Southern Star. So well done to Paul O'Donovan on receiving his monthly award from the Celtic Ross Hotel West Cork Sports Star Awards. On the way, as I said, we will speak to Patrick on his win on Saturday night and Annalisa is not with us today but we are going to discuss the benefits of yoga and people when you mention yoga people some people will throw their eyes to heaven and have a different impression so let's get to the bottom of it and exactly find out what it's all about Hazel O'Sullivan of the Yoga Tree will join us after 12.30 The C103 Cork Diary With Cork County Council delivering roads and housing community and business supports all across the county see Cork Coco. And the Skull Christmas Swim in aid of the Cope Foundation is at 12 noon at Skull Pier and you can get sponsorship cards now. They are available from the Skull Post Office or you can pre-register on copefoundation.ie forward slash Skull Swim. That is going ahead on Christmas Day. Uh, There is limited registration that will be available from 11.30am for any latecomers on the morning of the swim and you're asked to warm up after the event. And a lighting display at the home of Michael and Chrissy O'Mahony in Kilbury West and Dunmanway. Their postcode is P47NN67. All proceeds from this light display will be divided this year between the West Cork Ambulance Service, the Friends of Bantry General Hospital as well as Coaction in Dunmanway. And in the six years the display has been in operation in excess of €25,000 has been raised for local charities. And the display is now up and running and it will run each night from around 5.30 
5 o'clock until Thursday the 6th of January and today will be the last craft class at the Donneral Active Retirement Association with Elke they're keeping the Christmas spirit because this masterclass is a complete mystery as it is every year and all will be revealed this afternoon you're asked to go along there to the Donneral Active Retirement Association for their last craft class today and the Alzheimer's Society in Mallow they're fundraising for their new building and they're asking you to support Billy O'Connell's Texas Holden card game which is going ahead on New Year's Day in Mallow GAA Complex starts at 4 o'clock cash prices and a hamper on offer on today as well and all this week on Cork Today we're giving you a chance to win tickets to Riverdance with thanks to Aitken Promotions you can see Riverdance live at the marquee next year on June the 2nd 3rd 4th and 5th and we have got tickets to get you there only on C103 how can you win I want you now to text or WhatsApp you can just text your name where you are and indeed you can WhatsApp on the same number 0862103103 then one of you will be joining me on air and I'll be asking you to choose between a river themed question or a dance theme question and you must answer the question correctly to win uh, so get texting now your name where you are to 0862 103 103 and if you uh, can get that river theme or dance theme question right you could be heading along to see Riverdance live at the Marquee next June the 2nd 3rd 4th and 5th with thanks to Aiken Promotions now what a voice is this The first ever winner of the new singing show on RTE at the weekend. It's the last singer standing and he was a Cork winner. And Patrick O'Sullivan, who hails from Bannonlock in the city, joins me. Good afternoon to you, Patrick. Hi there, how's it going? I'm fine and thanks for joining us and congratulations. So what an achievement to be the first winner uh, of the show, which was doing very well over the last few weeks. I mean, uh, tell us about the show and tell us how you got involved. Um, well, the show is basically kind of, um, it's kind of a cross between a singing show and a game show. So there's kind of, um, you're limited in the songs that you can choose. So you're kind of restricted by what genres come up. And then there's kind of between two and five choices to sing from. But it kind of all came about like these shows have been going on for years and I've never really considered entering one before. Um, but I was just sitting at home in my flat and, the, and this, you know, this advert for it came up on my on my. Uh, Instagram and I said like I've just been sitting at home during the pandemic for the last two years in these four walls and done nothing or had no new experiences or had you know kind of any real opportunity to do any performing on stage at all so I just thought you know what I'm available I'm not doing anything else and it it might be a bit of fun and it really was like I just had the best experience it was amazing Yeah and I watched the show over the the number of weeks it was on you could see people taking part they did enjoy it I mean most of these shows they are quite intense but you could see the enjoyment in the contestants faces and I suppose with various talent shows like The X Factor as you mentioned it was unique it was a different style the way they ran it so tell me about the song you sang and the song that won it for you this was sure as believe people are very familiar with that song we play it here on C103 was that song was it chosen for you or did you choose that song no that song um, I chose that song and I kind of um, and why I tried to well I tried to be a bit uh, tactical about it and try and think back to you know like you say these shows have been running for years and years and years and I've watched people win 
singing certain types of songs. And there's a, there's a style of kind of winning song. It's often a song that people know, but that's kind of reinvented a little bit. And often it's kind of emotional. And obviously it has to have a big kind of swell and build. So I kind of went looking for the song first and then sort of tried to figure out how I could, <laughs> how I could sing the thing afterwards. Um, but yeah, I think, I think it's, a, it's a lovely version of it. It's, it is. Um, it was originally done by, by Adam Lambert at Cher's kind of, I think it was her 50th anniversary or something. Um, so it, it, it is, it is, it's his version of it, but it's, well, it's kind of my version of his version, so to speak. Yeah, because I haven't heard that, the, the way that song was sung before, the way you sung it. I mean, we're, we're, as I said, we're very familiar with the way Cher sings the song Believe, but it's just the, the, the way you sung it last night. No way if you're watching a, a movie or a soap, in some scenes they'll use a song that we all know, but it's sung differently like that. I mean, it, it could really be applied to any of those type of situations in a movie or a film. And you sang it. I mean, you have a huge, uh, first of all, a great vocal range, but you're well able to hold a note. But I mean, I've I've been so I've been doing um, singing in and musical theatre basically kind of my whole life. I started when I was ten, and then very quickly realised that it was you know my passion and it was what I was going to want to be doing for my career for the rest of my life. So I moved to to London when I was seventeen and did a degree in musical theatre over there. And I've been very fortunate that I've kind of worked more or less consistently doing stuff in the West End or UK and Ireland tours or international tours, all that kind of thing. Um, so I've been. I've been doing this type of stuff a long time, you know what I mean? Yeah, and you mentioned there in London, I mean, at a young age of 17, that would have been a huge decision just to uproot, leave Cork and go to London. And then uh, with that type of industry you're in, as you know yourself, it can be very cutthroat. There's no guarantee you'll make it. I mean, you have, and you've been in some of the, the biggest musical productions uh, in London, such as The Wind in the Willows, and I've seen here, you know, the, the Battle of Hell, the, the, the Carry the Musicals, you know, huge productions over there. I mean, what was it like as a 17-year-old, you know, going to London, knowing that this could go either way, and then to go and perform in those big productions? Yeah, well, I mean, I think I had a long time to kind of get used to the idea. And I think, importantly, my parents had a long time to get used to it. I'd been saying since I was 13, I was going, you know what I mean? So it was a it was a, it was was a a big thing for them as well to kind of just, you know, just let your kid, basically, at that age, you know what I mean? So it was, um, it was, it was a difficult decision. But um, when I was trying to consider it and would I do something more academic or would I do this, I was like, this isn't something that I would come back and do later in life. You know what I mean? If you don't kind of go and and seize those opportunities when you have them, it's, you know, it's very difficult then once you've got a career or you've got a family to try and say, okay, well, now I'm going to go do this really, really difficult thing that could kind of go either way. So I, I went knowing that, and people are very open, and I'd be very open in saying, you know, it's not an easy road, you know what I mean? And so much of it is luck and being in the right place at the right time and meeting the right people and all that kind of thing. So, I mean, talent's a part of it, but also, you, you know, the cards kind of have to, have to fall the right way as well and also you need to be flexible you know what I mean you it's just a fact that you won't be working all the time you need to find a way to be kind of happy in your life in the moments when you're auditioning and when you're out of work and you you know you need to try and find other avenues to to kind of entertain yourself and, and support yourself yeah, and you know, going from Cork there, I, I'm aware there's a lot of people from Cork as well that have travelled over and made that decision. Was that comforting to to meet others from or Cork or indeed Ireland in London when you did make the move at 17? Yeah, do you know what? There's such it's such a big thing in Cork, and there's so many people like you say who've, who've been so successful um, over the years. So it was nice. There's a there's a really nice kind of um, 
you know, community over there of, of, of Irish people who've done it. And, you know, you've obviously got the people who have been, you know, hugely successful and, and played, you know, your leads all around the world and that kind of thing. But I've got friends that I kind of grew up going to, you know, to my to my drama school and stage school with from, like I say, when I was 10. And not all of them have stuck with it, but a lot of them have. And they've all had varying different careers doing all sorts of things. Because, you know, you don't have to just do musicals in the West End. You can do all sorts of things. You can do cruise ships, so you could go into TV and film, or you can go into, you know, all all different kinds of avenues that are creative. And would you like to move into the TV and, and film side of things if that was an offer to you? Um, do you know what? I don't really know. I, I obviously do a lot of acting, and I've done, I have done some some straight acting and, and little bits and pieces of, of TV and adverts and that kind of thing. But I kind of, I think the older I get, the more I realise that really what I love to do is sing songs, and I love to sing, and I really do love the kind of musical theatre aspect of it, or, or even songs that are kind of really about something, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you're saying with Believe, you kind of, making someone kind of rehear the lyric, you know what I mean? You might have heard it a hundred times, but actually kind of, if you can do it in a way that kind of connects with people a little differently or puts a different spin on it where they go, oh, actually that, and, and it kind of rings true to people. That's what I that's what I really like to do and that's kind of what I've been um, trying to do my whole career. Well, tell me about your Christmas song because you are after recording The Hour Before Christmas and it's for a very worthy cause. Yeah, well, that like I was just saying there now, actually, that's a, that's a big part of what drew me to that song. So I was very fortunate that through being on The Last Singer Standing, um, the songwriter Don Meskel, who's an Irish songwriter who's incredibly successful internationally and has written from written for everyone, um, he kind of found me and he had this song that he had been waiting to try and find the right, the right person to sing it in the kind of style that I do, that kind of crossover theatrical style. Um, and we kind of connected and he recorded the track with, with the Budapest String Orchestra and it's an absolutely, it, it's gorgeous. Well, what he's done with it is beautiful and the arrangement is, is, is amazing. Um, so I heard it and I immediately bit his hand off when he, when he offered to, to record it together. Um, and yeah, so it's, it's an aid of the, the Little Toy Show appeal. So I knew I wanted to do some, do, do some charity track is what, is, is, is what I wanted to do, but I was racking my brain trying to think, you know, what, what cause I would pick because there are so many worthy causes, especially at, at Christmas time. And I was just sitting down watching uh, the Late Late Toy Show with my with my girlfriend Georgia, who's from Surrey. Uh, and I've been kind of introducing Georgia slowly to the Toy Show because, as amazing as it is, it's totally bizarre in a lot of ways. You know what I mean? Yeah. It does take you a minute to kind of <laughs> come to terms with what's going on. Um, but she absolutely loves it now. And I was just sitting there. I thought, you know what? This is such an incredible Irish institution, and it's just it's purely Christmas and I just thought that would be you know that would be the, the, the perfect choice Excellent Cindy and a fantastic song we'll play that o- over the course of the week here on C103 so people can hear uh, the, the song and as you described the instrumental and, and the harmony in that song so for yourself now after this big win on national television at the weekend where do you go now from here? Well I mean people kind of keep asking me what I'm going to spend the, the, the money on and um, <laughs> The, the more I think about it, the more what I'd like to do is, is try and find a way to introduce myself more in Ireland because, like I was saying, I've been in, in London and the UK for so long and had a great time and, and like I said, I've been very fortunate. But especially over the pandemic, I've kind of been realising that really what I want is to be able to spend more time with my family and my friends and, and my nieces and nephews that are growing up now. Um, and to try, I'm, I, just, I would love to try and find some opportunities to just do some more do some more work over here, whether that's recording or concerts or any of that type of thing. So I'm going to use um, the money to try and, you know, give myself a bit of a, um, 
uh, a bit of support while I'm trying to get a footing here in Ireland. Oh, well, that's a good plan. And uh, Patrick, there's a lot of people have been on in the last while by text and WhatsApp. We're wishing you well. Uh, Jer in uh, Ballantimple and also Eileen in Mitchellstown and Anne in Ballantimple. They all watched you on, that's just a selection, by the way. They all watched you on Saturday night and they said, congratulations to you, Patrick. What a wonderful voice. And there's a lot of other texts coming in wishing you well. So, Patrick, congratulations to you. The first winner and a Cork winner, always good, in RTE's last singer standing. And the very best of luck in the future. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Take care. Mind yourself. That is uh, Take care. Bye-bye. Patrick O'Sullivan there from Bannonlock, uh, the first winner of RTE's Last Singer Standing. What a voice he has and a great future ahead of him. Whatever this road or path he decides to go down, be that on the theatre or the singing, uh, what, what a great voice he is and a nice guy too. And of course, that show uh, produced by Shinnewood Productions for RTE. And on the sending of Christmas cards, a texter here is saying, I send 95 Christmas cards, including a letter in each one every Christmas to friends and family in Ireland, the UK, Europe, America and Australia. I used to also send a card to Africa when my aunt was based there with concern. It's a wonderful way to maintain contact in a busy world. Happy Christmas everyone and many happy returns to you. And then Joan who says with regards to those Christmas cards I used to send around 50 every year and a few years ago my late husband passed away and since then I haven't sent any cards but instead I send money to penny dinners. So uh, uh, Joan, that's a beautiful thought to do and uh, our sympathies with you. I know it's a few years ago, but on the, the passing of your husband, but what a nice thing to do when send money to penny dinners instead of sending Christmas cards. And a lot of people do that. Uh, they don't send Christmas cards, but they donate uh, to charities like Penny Dinners and others instead. Joan, thank you for your text to 0862103103. We did ask you to text or WhatsApp if you want to go along to Riverdance with thanks to Aiken Promotions. You can see Riverdance live at the Marquee next June, the 2nd, 3rd, 4th and 5th. And someone that could be going along if they get the question right is Theresa Hurleyhe from Church Cross in Skibbereen. Good afternoon to you, Theresa. Hi, John Paul. How are How you are today? I'm good, thank you. How are things in Skib? All well? All well, all well, yeah. All set for Christmas. I was mentioning there about Christmas cards. Would you be one now, Theresa, to send out Christmas cards? Um, I would, usually, yeah. Yeah. Would you send many? 20 or 25. Oh, that's a lot. Oh, yeah. oh, you're good. So the majority of people this morning uh, seem to uh, post out the Christmas cards. Anyhow, it's not Christmas cards. You've been in contact with us. You want to go and see Riverdance live at the Marquee next year. So what's going to happen here, Theresa? I, well, you have to choose between a river-themed question or a dance-themed question. So which question are you going to choose, river or dance? Or we'll try dance, maybe. Dance. Okay, here we go. So this is a true or false question. 2,000 Irish dancers have taken part in the Riverdance show since it started. Is that true or false? We'll go true. Oh, well done. True it is. Congratulations to you, Theresa. Uh, You are heading along to Riverdance. And Riverdance, of course, is live at the marquee. It's next June. So well done. You've won yourself a pair of tickets to Riverdance. Uh, Are you a fan? I presume you are a big fan of Riverdance. I... Well, it's something I'd like to see. Yeah, it's a fantastic yeah. show. It's a, it's a really good yeah. show and great production. Yeah. So enjoy, Theresa. 
Thanks very much, John Paul. Take Thanks. care. Have a good Christmas. Theresa Hurley here there in Church Cross in Skibbereen and she'll be heading off next June to live at the Marquee and experienced Riverdance. So enjoy that. We'll have more ways to win tomorrow here on C103 with thanks to Acom Promotions. But uh, nutritional advice now on a different theme. Annalisa Giselle is not with us this week, but we are still going to discuss how you can keep yourself healthy. And this week to find out how we can keep healthy by the use of yoga. I'm joined by Hazel O'Sullivan of the Yoga Tree. A very good afternoon to you, Hazel. Hello, John Paul. How are you? I'm fine. And thanks for joining us. And I was mentioning there earlier on, people have mixed impressions and views when it comes to yoga. You can say to some people, I do yoga and they kind of throw their eyes to heaven. And then other people say, oh, I found it really good. It it really solved myself when I was, you know, in a stressful situation or I suffer from anxiety. Uh, So just discuss, first of all, yoga, because there, there is people have their own conceptions, don't they, of this, Hazel? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, it's so interesting because I think everybody gets something different from yoga. And many do have the idea that it's kind of airy-fairy and it's only for the the hippy-dippy type. But actually, a lot of people find, for some people, it might be more the physical aspect of it. So they might find that it's great for back issues or that it might help to lower their blood pressure or helping them to lose weight or flexibility or building strength. And then for other people, it's maybe more of an emotional that they find that it helps to de-stress. It helps them to have, you know, increased energy. Like a lot more business people now are using yoga as a way to kind of increase their clarity and their focus. So it really is, you know, the whole view of yoga, I think, is definitely changing, which is great because I think there's a different style of yoga for everyone, you know. Um, and, and I guess for some people, you know, they may not know exactly what yoga is. And, you know, I suppose in the most basic terms, I suppose yoga is, is a form of exercise, really, John Paul. And it's, you know, in a yoga class, we kind of move through yoga poses that we call yoga asanas. And we combine that with breathing and a little bit of meditation. So I think, you know, as I say, there's a different type for everybody and everyone gets something different out of it. So, yeah, that's, that's to me, I think, from listening to and speaking to a lot of students, I think everybody gets something different from it. And I think these days, more than ever, people are, are under more stress when it comes to the workplace and just life in general, rushing from A to B. I mean, I know we've had a series of lockdowns, but outside of those, things are now more or less getting back to normal and people are still running around from school uh, drop-offs to local GA or sport drop-offs and then trying to get home and manage that work-balanced life, which does increase stress, stress and anxiety within the household. So, uh, I I mean, breathing exercises we hear a lot when it comes to yoga and I know we can't disturb or do this, I suppose, or, or do a demo on radio because silence and radio doesn't work. But just explain, if you can, how they can, how it can benefit a breathing exercise. And I know you, you have a link on your YouTube as well that people can actually go on later and view. Absolutely. And I know when, when you and I, John Paul, were chatting last week and we were saying, could we do meditation on the air? But yeah, you're dead right. It's, it's a very hard one to do because you'll have silence. So it doesn't work so well. So I, I popped up a new meditation on the YouTube channel for people to practice just a five minute breathing meditation. But yeah, it, exactly. It's amazing. And I guess that's what makes kind of yoga maybe different from other forms of exercise as well. It's just the connection with the breath. And breathing, you know, we all breathe without thinking about it, obviously. And, you know, it's, it's, 
you know, we could last many days without food and water, but we couldn't last very long without our breath. And our breath is, is a real indication of how we feel. You know, I, I think if we're ever kind of aware, if we're feeling anxious or, or overwhelmed, we might notice that our breath is a little bit faster or it may be more caught up in our chest. So a great way to de-stress. And as you say, when you're running and racing and trying to do loads of things is to take just a few minutes just to breathe mindfully. And when we breathe with awareness, it helps us to activate um, our parasympathetic nervous system. So, you know, many of us may have heard of the fight or flight, which is our our sympathetic nervous system when um, our body's in stress. So when we try to combat that, we can move through the breath work and that breath work then helps us to break the stress loop the stress loop and helps us to go into a place of the parasympathetic nervous system, which is our rest and renew and, and digest mode, which is a much better place to be. True. Yeah. And I mean, as you mentioned it there, how I can de-stress a person. Health is another side of things you touched on about people who have back problems and how yoga can help them. It can help people in some circumstances anyway and a health benefit there from a physical point of view. Oh, absolutely. And I think for, for most, for a lot of people or majority of people, that's how they get into yoga first, I think. You know, from, from teaching for over 13 years, I definitely feel that that's when I see a lot of people coming in first. It may be back issues or they may be feeling that their flexibility is being decreased and they want to improve their flexibility or maybe they want to tone up. And yeah, so it's it's amazing how much deeper you can get into 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 positions when you practice yoga. So you can really get in and help to build strength for the back or help to build strength in the body. And I suppose what's lovely about yoga is that it's that balance and that kind of dance between flexibility and strength. So say some exercises you may be doing may be really helping your strength, but you need to kind of have that balance of flexibility so that you don't injure and that you help to keep any injuries at bay or you have to prevent any future, you know, back issues and so on. So yeah, absolutely. It's so good for the back. And I hear that so much with my students that they say if they haven't practiced for a while that their back starts niggling them again so it's um, it's a great one for that for sure and you touched there on meditation and, and the benefits of that and the whole breathing exercises they, they'll be available on your YouTube channel because as I said it's, it's hard to do with on radio yeah. a, how can they find that how can people locate your YouTube channel yeah thanks John Paul so it's um, it's called yoga tree so if you just go into YouTube and just type the yoga tree you'll find it and there's lots of um, you know free yoga sequences in there and free meditations as well to get people started and they're kind of all they're suitable for all levels as well so anyone will be able to benefit from it and will be able to do them you know so it's, it's a good way to start and just short sequences sometimes are the best just to get into it at the beginning you know and to get a feel for it and how long then would one of these last for, by the way, of meditation or indeed a yoga class dealing just solely with the breathing exercises? I mean, would it be roughly 15 minutes or how long would they last for John asking on text? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I, I, um, I guess you can do as much or as little as you like. So I have up on the YouTube channel, I have meditations that are from five minutes up to 20 minutes. So whatever your time allows you. But I often find if you're new to meditation, it's kind of nice to start off short first and just, you know, start off short, see how you get on and then start maybe building it up more. And same with the yoga practices as well. Up on the YouTube channel, there's short 15 minutes practices. There's even other ones that are shorter. Again, I think I even have some that are five minutes or so. And um, so, yeah, it's just even to hop on your mat for 10 minutes 
is hugely beneficial. I think sometimes we're hard on ourselves because we feel we have to be doing it for an hour or longer, but everything, any little bit we can do will will have a big benefit. And a texter here asking, what's the best yoga pose for high blood pressure? That is such a good question because I definitely see that's what a lot of people benefit from yoga as well is lowering the blood pressure. Every once you hop on your mat, that is helping to lower your blood pressure. So every pose, and it's the breath work really that helps to lower the blood pressure, because we work through just kind of more slow and mindfulness breathing is really really good for lowering the blood pressure. Um, and even I, I find I have quite low low blood pressure, and you know, and definitely with yoga, I find after yoga practice, I feel my my blood pressure is even lower again. So it's amazing how you can see the impact really quickly and um, so I would say to your listener hop on a yoga mat even if it's not one of my videos do some video and even just do five minutes and start balancing that with your breath and you'll definitely in time with practice will definitely help to lower the blood pressure and a lot of people asking about do you do classes as well so and I know you said you were bringing out an app so that there is various ways of people want to contact you after the show today yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for, for mentioning it. Yeah, so at the moment, I mean, it's been a really tricky year, obviously, with mm. COVID. And for the last 13 plus years, I've been teaching in the Oriel, in the studio in the Oriel in Balancholic. And I guess it was always kind of a dream of mine to bring something online that would be accessible to everybody and also, you know, very affordable. Like my my online um, my online community is just nine eighty five a month. So I want to make it that everybody can have well-being in their life, that it's not a luxury, that everybody can afford it. So at the moment, um, I'm teaching classes in the Oriel, but I'm also online with our web version. So we have a web version of the community with over 400 yoga videos, live online classes every week, meditations, healthy recipes, self-care tips, um, and we have regular guest speakers. And then that is going to be launched as an app, which I'm so excited about. There's been so much work put into it that we're nearly there. So we're launching the app, um, the Yoga Tree app, in January. So really excited about that. Now we're nearly there. Well, <laughs> All Hazel, the hard work is paying off. I know it's been, it's been a strange year, especially for businesses. Hazel, the very best of luck to you at the Yoga Tree. And your website there for people who wish to contact you? Yeah, so it's uh, theyogatree.ie. Excellent. Yogatree.ie. Hazel, yeah. thanks for joining us. Some good information there. And uh, people who had maybe a different view on yoga may have a, another view now after our I chat. So. Thanks for joining us. That is That's Hazel O'Sullivan there of the Yoga Tree. And you can get more information from the Yogatree.ie. And when I was speaking to Patrick O'Sullivan there earlier, of course, Patrick, the winner of the last singer standing, I meant to mention another Cork singer because Cork did very well in this show. The last two were from Cork and another fantastic singer on the show was Caroline Bailey and Caroline is from Castle Marshers so congratulations to Caroline Bailey as well uh, another fantastic singer on that show and it was actually another text came in there just as we were speaking to Hazel on the yoga uh, to say that the person who came second was Caroline Bailey and I am Bill Bailey um, on the singer last night so well done uh, to both Caroline and indeed Patrick fantastic performance by both and great uh, to have the uh, Cork people uh, on towards the final of uh, that show and Patrick winning out so well done to both Patrick and Caroline that's it from us for today
I'm back again with you tomorrow morning with Cork Today from 10am. We'll be discussing the energy credit we're all due to get from the energy companies. You know this 100 euros off we're supposed to get from our electric uh, companies over I think it's January it's going to be implemented. Some people feel is it fair that everybody will get it when those who are well off are, you know, are due to get it as well. Anyhow we'll be discussing that and your views are welcome along with road rage. Are you seeing more road rage on our roads? Uh, let us know. You can email across the afternoon in Cork today at c103.ie. My thanks to Bernie who produced. I'm John Paul McNamara. Enjoy your Monday afternoon. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.